0: Welcome to Garden Views. Interesting conversations with interesting people who have done and or are doing interesting things. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome everyone into Garden Views this week and we are talking to Russ Farnsworth. Um, He is a well-read, well-informed intellectual, a world traveler, an inventor, and a champion of democracy and justice. And we're going to talk to Russ today about some of his ideas on how to fix the divisions within our country. And he's done everything from being on podcasts, he's uh, suggested political reforms, he uh, he's got ideas about setting up equipment off the off the grid and uh, mean self-sustaining energy, pretty much everything. Um, but I think we're going to go mostly with the uh, how to, I guess, get to a post bipartisan or hyper partisan era. Uh, so with that, welcome, Russ. Thanks for coming on Garden Views.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Oh, yeah, no, pleasure is mine. So yeah, tell tell the folks a little bit about yourself and, and what some of your ideas are. What inspired you to sort of go on the, the podcast um rounds.
1: Sure. Well, uh, I guess I've I've always kinda had an interest in politics since I was young. I think it's like in third grade I, I heard what the I learned what the word rabble rouser meant or the term. <laughs> and I think ever since then I've considered myself to be a rabble rouser, like someone that was gonna Try to whip up everybody, get them on the same side so that we can solve problems rather than all the bickering that goes on. So that's always kind of been my focus for politics. Um, I've always been kind of nonpartisan. When I used to watch news with my parents, I would notice that, you know, one day it was, it was the Republicans getting into a big scandal. And the next day it was the Democrats. And so I never really felt much allegiance to either party. And I think the more that I've, you know, got, gotten older and learned more and uh, become more wise, I, I think I've just really reinforced that um, by viewing everything that's occurring in politics. I think it all really suggests that we don't have any allies in government, uh, and that we need to do something to try to change the situation that we're in. So yeah, that's that's kind of gets me excited about politics and um, I guess uh, I've I've been uh, doing podcasts for a few years but only been doing it frequently in the past maybe six or eight months. but I'm really trying to get some ideas out there. And uh, the first one that really excites me, is an idea about starting a Citizens' Congress that would be based on the Continental Congress. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you think about our situation now, we're not much different than things were at the beginning of our country. Um, You know, back then, before the revolution, the founders, uh, one of their big issues was taxation without representation. Well, we're all certainly taxed. And I would doubt that there are many people in this country that feel like they're well represented in government. So a lot of the things are similar to when our country first started. And so back then, they created the Continental Congress as a way of creating documents, creating uh, governing principles for our country, because they knew they couldn't go through the existing government. There was just no traction to be made there. And I believe we're in the same situation now that we can't make any traction with our government because all of the politicians are kind of owned and uh, serving their own interests.
0: I I wanna confirm one thing for the audience out there. One, you and I are not friends on Facebook, correct? No, I don't Uh, believe so. Okay, so I I want everyone to know that that I uh, agree at least so far with Russ on, on a lot of what he said. And while the concept isn't exactly the same, Anyone who's listening, who's friends with me on Facebook for probably at least the last six months or so, and I'm recording this June 20th, 2023, will recall that I, I think I said something, say something to the fact as we approach our 250th year of being the United States of America or since the Declaration of Independence, that it probably seems appropriate that we have another constitutional convention. Uh, and while it won't be easy, there's a whole lot of things that probably need to, you know, maybe be reaffirmed maybe be rewritten, revisited. Uh, Maybe we can take out some of that, uh, especially hideous language about only, you know, the three-fifths compromise and things about only, you know, uh, the only men can vote and things like that. But probably, uh, you know, just other things that need to be revisited and come what may, at least it would feel a little bit more representative. So I think that sounds a little bit, if not very close to sort of what you're talking about. But I I didn't want to... You know, a bunch of people that I'm friends with on Facebook have been guests of the shows, of course, and and also, you know, might you know think that I I teed this one up for you so that it, it sounds like you're agreeing with me, and it, it's not as all. It's not that at all. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and there's some concern that people, some people, have about a runaway convention that somehow it could be, you know, kind of taken over by people that have some. Pretty far out ideas, and that somehow they could hijack it. So, you know, I don't know really the um, the validity of that argument. Um, but doing this through a con- through a citizens' congress, the way I'm intending it, is if there are constitutional amendments that need to be made or changes to the constitution, uh, those would happen through the normal political process and would prevent any type of a runaway. Uh, Continental or, uh, Convention, if that is really a concern. So I I, I think that um, the idea that I came up with really solves a lot of problems whilst allowing people to actually make fundamental changes in our government. And I would think that the first um, issues to take on with the Citizens Congress would be getting money out of politics, uh, ensuring election integrity, and making stronger ethics rules for politicians so that we don't have all the corruption in
0: government. Boom, that's a, that's another one and uh I, you know I, I have two I have two podcasts that are, you know, in this realm one's garden of doom, one's garden views. And I just published yesterday a show that was under the garden of doom heading, but it really was almost a hybrid. Because the gentleman I was speaking to was uh Recovering lawyer who's also an author, and we talked a little bit about the publishing business. But Garden of Doom, we almost never get into politics except for sort of, you know, sort of fringe politics, um, which is sort of, you know, maybe is a bizarre thing to say, but it it doesn't matter. People who listen know what I mean. Um, but he and I got into a discussion, and one of the things we talked about was money and politics. And it's again, you and I have never met before today. Uh, we had exchanged a couple of emails. I got your your bio sheet, the same one that you you know sent to everyone in in you know in that format podcast guest. You probably use it in other places as well. And I agree so much with you on that. And I'm going to let you continue, and then we'll probably circle about and and see if your money about getting your idea about getting money out of politics is similar to mine, or if it's close enough that we can't come to it, uh, some agreement.
1: Yeah, you know, is there a possibility to pause? I apologize. My dog's kind of freaking out.
0: Yeah, yeah, hang on one sec. All right, we are back. The dog crisis has been averted. Back to you, Russ.
1: All right. Um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember where we left off now. Uh,
0: uh, I think you were talking about how you were going to populate the the convention.
1: Okay, well, yeah. Um, so in this... Uh, Citizens Congress idea, if there are constitutional amendments that need to be made, um, they would kind of just go through the normal political process through the Congress. And the way that we can get that done is because if we, you know, leave out all the wedge issues and focus on getting money out of politics and election integrity and having stronger ethics rules, everybody would agree on those uh, objectives and so, then everybody would be willing to then vote out politicians that don't get on board with enacting those reforms. And in, so, anything that we draft through the citizens' congress would, um, like, would would be implemented through the normal political process. And any politician that stands in the way would just get removed from office.
0: I like that. So the the ground rules going in is that while it's while well, there's some process to how to figure out who's going to come in there, but the ground rules are we're not talking about abortion. We're not talking about guns. We're not talking about, I don't know, term limits or whatever. What we're talking about, maybe term limits, but what we're talking about mostly is how do we how do we make the election process more representative, specifically by, because I, I happen to agree. I mean, I, I think that if you take money out of the equation and let's just say all national elections are publicly financed somehow we figure out a way to do that not on the not the, the candidates part. that that part's easy it's how do you decide who's a candidate and who's not to get some amount of money to get some stipend because then you know you're gonna have 330 million people running for Congress you know right. if, if you're gonna get go. so there that that would be a hard part but let's let's save that for another day unless you have an answer to that but if you take having to raise money constantly out of it and having to chase money constantly out of politics, then the folks who think that having the two-party system is the problem, well, there's no longer two parties because the two parties have locks, you know, have a lock on it because they have all the money, they have all the resources. Well, they wouldn't any longer. The money can go to whoever people feel are the, the best candidates. Um, and, you know, the the richest person in the world couldn't support the 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 candidates that they did before, at all. Uh, other than I guess you know they're giving their own voice you know t- you know on Twitter or whatever, but you know uh, but not in terms of giving money to a PAC or a super PAC or directly to the candidates or to the RNC or the DNC or the you know whichever all all the many ways that that people can get money to mm-hmm. them, and thus you'd get a more representative government, which would give you more representative. Legislation to represent more where the country is at with with regards to things like let's just say gun control or you know pick pick an issue here you, you get closer to those seventy one percent positions rather than having to dance around to the you know fourteen percent on this side and the fifteen percent on this side that are making all the noise
1: right
0: I mean if if I'm hearing you I think that's sort of what you're talking about getting to as well
1: yes definitely.
0: All right, well, um, how, how would you populate the Citizens Convention? How do, how do you figure out, I mean, the loudest voices have to be part of it. I mean, they have to feel like, they can't feel like they were excluded. And, you know, whether you like them or not, and, and you, we probably all like some of the loud voices and we probably all dislike some of the loud voices, and probably some of the loud voices we feel like has nothing to do with me whatsoever. Um, but we'd have you know everybody nobody can feel like they're completely excluded so would it be that uh you know any faction couldn't have more than say six members six attendees or you know and and you know somebody would have to predefine what the factions are because you could have these fake alliances where you know it's really one faction but they you know they they figure out a way to name the the same cause 17 different ways sure uh, people are yeah, like, <laughs> um,
1: tricky. It, starting off, I think the very, one of the very first provisions that should be in place is that no person who has ever run for political office before can be a part of the Citizens Congress, or at least certainly no person who's ever held public office before. Right. Um, we want to get away from the ideas of people who who typically run for for, for political office, and we want to have citizens creating these ideas and creating the reforms that are needed. So that would be one of the first provisions that I think should be part of it. And if people want to, you know, if delegates to the Congress want to rely on um, advice or counsel from people who have been politicians, and that would be fine. Um, I'm a big fan of Mickey Edwards. I think he's probably one of the greatest political thinkers of our time. Um, so if I was to be a delegate on, on that body, I would want him probably, uh, you know, advising me on some of the things we should do. So, um, that kind of, I think would take care of a lot of it is just keeping the, the people who are already politicians out of it and making sure that it stays a, the citizen led, uh, initiative. And I think I uh, there could be a lot of other things that go into this. And I haven't sat down and thought about all of them because it's really something that the whole country needs to kind of get behind and, and devise. We all kind of need to come together, think about this or any other solution. You know, I, I think any solution that puts the power in the hands of we the people instead of the politicians is going to be a huge improvement. And so once we find the vehicle or the blueprint for how we want to go about that then everybody needs to contribute with their ideas and we start building it out you know based upon everybody's idea about how this could work best
0: right yeah no that i think that makes a lot of sense um okay so in your um you know i'll just call it your publicity page i, I did that's probably not the right word for it but um you indicated why one of the bullet points was why climate change doesn't need to be evoked to be addressed. What did you mean by that?
1: Well, I I wrote an article a few years ago about it. um, And I thought it was kind of an interesting way of looking at it, but there's a lot of things that um, are sort of also side effects um, of fossil fuel or greenhouse gases. So like, uh, uh, asthma in children, you know, is, is, uh, it's being driven by the same pollutants that create climate change. And so if everybody is going to wig out about the term climate change and is immediately going to throw up roadblocks about hearing anything related to climate change, you don't necessarily have to talk about it. You can talk about asthma in children and how you want to bring that down. And it would be very, very difficult for anybody to come up with a lot of data or, or, people suggesting that air pollution doesn't cause asthma in children. And so if you look at some of the other effects that are created by greenhouse gases, we can address those effects without calling it climate change. And then, like I say, some people are just kind of hardwired to reject anything um, that's related to climate change, and they just don't want to hear it.
0: Right. Well, they're they're sort of an anti-science thing going on now. And it's not exactly unearned because, you know, science is evolving, but that also invariably means that it's at times wrong. And, you know, we're just just coming off the heels of of COVID. And, you know, it it turns out that a lot of the things that we did in hindsight probably were wrong or or weren't particularly right. Um, Now, I also saw something today that some source said that every person who died of COVID in the U.S., was unvaccinated, which is you know, if if accurate, is a, is an amazing statistic to, you know, to discount. Um, but you know, some people say that you know the climates always change. You know, the the the, the volcanoes you know erupt and and emit more carbon than humanity has in the aggregate. Um, so I don't know if you could trick the 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 sides from you know from getting into that debate. I, I mean I appreciate the effort, um, but I, I think eventually someone's gonna see through that. How had you know, so I'm sure you have a backup plan in, in case, you know, you can't get past the climate change as to how to say how to get everyone to the table and say, you know, I don't know if it's yes, we're gonna hear everyone's concerns, yes we're gonna talk like adults or or you know, how how do you get those divided parties to the table? Uh, To sit down and and listen to each other so that, you know, probably the 60 or 70 percent of people in the middle uh, who are amenable to at least hearing policy um, initiatives, uh, you know, can then get their voices heard.
1: Yeah, that's really a tricky one. And I think the key to it is just getting people to stop um, listening to corporate media news you know, there's a lot of good journalists out there that really report the truth and that do good investigations to dig down and get to the truth. And um, l- largely those journalists are kind of being ignored. I mean, they have followings out there, but they're, it's nowhere near the huge followings that, you know, that the television pundits have. And those TV pundits are... You know, they're, they're oligarchs, they're funded by oligarchs and they push an oligarch message. So they're out there giving a message to make it, you know, to get us all on board with the kinds of policies that the ultra, ultra rich want to see in our country. And so that's one of the reasons that we're always at odds with each other, always fighting each other and, and not understanding one another. And so you know, and I don't know how we do that. I don't know how we get people to turn off the TV and and look at more um, accurate news information. But that's really the key to it.
0: Well, half of it's already happening. Happening. People are turning off the TVs. Uh, yeah. the, the the second half of it, I'm not sure if that's the case. I mean, you have people listening to youtubers and frankly people like me just talking uh and you know i may think i'm smart but that doesn't mean i know anything more about climate change or economic policy or politics or this than than anyone else and i mean i was listening to something on youtube where basically these folks who have a substantial following were were talking about you know Healthier eating, which, okay, that makes sense. Healthier eating, that's good for your kids. It's, it's going to make you live longer. Probably it's going to probably make you happier and make you feel less heavy. But they were tying it into that the powers that be don't want you to do that. Okay. There may, there's probably something to that. The powers that be are, you know, meat industries and processed foods and things like that. But then they're also tying it into there's a galactic federation out there that wants to help us. They just can't. Well, Okay, I mean, you sort of lost me. You know, am I supposed to believe people who who you know the main crux is that there's a galactic federation out there like Star Trek that wants to help us? I mean, you know, saying all these things matter of fact, I, you know, it, it it's hard to do. So, how do you suggest that people for on their own curate who is a reliable? Let's just say not mainstream news source.
1: Well, um. I think just a lot of people sharing their their sources with others and turning people on. You know, it, it's interesting, and I'm not sure the reason for it. But a few years ago, when I would go onto Facebook, I could log in and scroll through my feed, and I would see what all my Facebook friends are posting, different articles from different publications, and I would say, okay, I know this person. I know that they're smart and they understand the issues. They've read this article and they think it's it's important enough to post and share, and so I would read that article. Um, for some reason, I no longer see that happening on Facebook. Now I scroll through and it's all just a bunch of memes, and I don't see people sharing articles. I still share a lot of articles, and I don't know if anybody ever sees them. But um, for some reason, there seems to be a change in how Facebook works. But that's that's a good you know a good start is going to people who you know who you know are crazy, and finding out where they get their information and sharing it. And a good friend of mine turned me on to a new guy just a couple months ago. His name is Bo, and he's got a channel on YouTube called Bo of the Fifth Column. And he is an incredibly uh, interesting person, and he's got all kinds of credentials. He was ex-military. He trains police officers. He's a journalist like a serious journalist. So he's got tons and tons of knowledge. Even though he's just got a YouTube channel, he's a pretty legitimate uh, source for information. And so getting turned on to that guy was really cool. And uh, I've been trying to share his videos as well with others. And so uh, it's a a lot about sharing. And you're going to have to um, vet all the information you get, especially when you're when you are kind of checking out a new source of information, Um, I started listening or reading Greg Pallast's work, uh, I guess maybe around 2003 or so. And, um, you know, when I first started reading his stuff, it was like, it was so outlandish, the things he was writing about. A lot of times I was like, this can't be right. And I would look it up and have to find, you know, that yeah, it is right. You know, there's other publications, like local publications that did the same investigations and came up with the same answers. Um, and then after a while, I just kind of started uh, trusting the stuff that he was putting out because everything always checked out. And so now I just kind of consider him to be, you know, a source of good information um, rather than someone of whose information I need to check with other sources to make sure that it's accurate. It's but a little bit- It does take a bit of work.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a catch twenty two because if somebody doesn't know, say someone like yourself, I mean, a a lot of people, we want to hear what we want to hear, so that that's who we're paying attention to. So maybe you know, I think there's very few people who think they're dummies. But say I'm a dummy and I don't think I'm a dummy, uh, and I'm paying attention to other dummies, but I don't think they're dummies because they agree with me, or I agree with them, and they just have more facts and statistics. I think than I do. And, and, you know, you know, isn't it like getting yourself into an an echo chamber? I I don't know if there's a solution to that. Um, But uh, you know, maybe you have one.
1: Well, I think if, if people are really truly wanting to make positive change and not just to promote a party, you know, one of the first things that you have to do is kind of do some self-reflection and acknowledge your own biases and make sure that you're not trying to um, confirm your biases with the information that you seek out. And, you know, I, I, I can first of all say that I don't understand how partisans brains operate. It just doesn't check with me that if, if a politician is doing something I know is wrong, I'm going to be opposed to it in every case. And I don't care who the politician is. But that's not the way the brains of partisans really operate. And so it's a little bit difficult for me to speak to that. Um, but like I say, people need to make sure that they're not trying to confirm, confirm their own biases and just make sure that they're putting out good information. And if they can do that, if they can be, you know, honest with themselves about what their intentions are. And, um, you know, I, then I think it is possible for people to move past it. And if we, if we talk about topics that aren't so divisive, again, you know, we're not going to have these, these hot button issues that, that push people to extremes. Okay.
0: I actually saw an interesting sort of trend on on your same bio sheet. And there seemed to be a bunch of things where you were sort of, you know, uh, you know, saying you, you can be helpful helping deal with or, or, or developing techniques to deal with sort of local and person to person disputes and i i assume that the, once you're able to do that that skill set you can build up from that but maybe you can address some of that like how you deal with violent you know or hostile neighbors or deal with property disputes easements uh which are rights of way over over land that maybe that person doesn't own maybe your land or maybe your neighbor's land you have a right of way over that those are easements um and uh you know if you had some ideas about that and if if this was a method that you you know if you can train yourself to be able to resolve sort of these local personal issues that you can sort of scale up a, a bit I, yeah I,
1: well, you know, I really didn't resolve anything. I, <laughs> the people I'm in disputes with um, are just nasty, nasty people. Um, so really, nothing was resolved there. Um, I think what I, was, what I was intending to say there is is just about how to deal with the, these kinds of situations because I didn't I didn't uh, reach any resolution, but I did um, do some things to kind of protect myself as far as putting out cameras, security cameras, and things like that, um, go. I was going to the courthouse and getting the legal documents from the courthouse and getting them stamped as official documents. And so that way, if there was an incident where the law enforcement arrived, I could present to them documents that were stamped by the court showing that they were official documents. So it was more of things of that nature rather than than achieving any kind of a resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're just not going to be able to resolve issues with a, another party, especially if that party, if their intentions are evil, you're not going to be able to to bring them over to your side.
0: Okay. So basically you're saying, you know, get to the courthouse, you know, early, document things. Don't hesitate. Make sure that you, make sure that if you're on the high road, that you have a documented so that the law's on your side, so that if the, the boys right. in blue or khaki or somebody with a gun and a badge come, comes up, that, that, you know, no matter who made the call, you have the information to show that you're not the uh, the wrongdoer. Exactly, yes. Okay. You also had some off-the-grid tips, uh, solar and things like that. So what, what kind of ideas and tips do you have with regards to that?
1: Yeah. Well, I really had to do my thing on a shoestring budget. Um, when I moved out to my property, I arrived with two truckloads full of my belongings and a trailer full of stuff to find that the road had been blocked by these neighbors. Oh. And so I called the sheriffs to enforce our easements and the the neighbors had already talked to the sheriffs and basically gotten the sheriffs on their side. And the sheriffs told me that I would be arrested if I went to my own property. And so I ended up having to uh, live elsewhere for a year and pay rent uh, on another place while I sorted out all these legal documents and tried to figure out what my legal rights were in the situation. And so when I did finally do that uh, the following year, I was mostly out of money at that point and, um, you know, had to kind of do everything on the cheap but I was able to get a very inexpensive solar rig from Arbor Freight. Occasionally they'll they'll sell their basic system for like 150 bucks, and that will be the solar panels and the solar controller. So the the controller, uh, the solar pan, well, the the, the solar controller is sort of an intermediary between the, the solar panels And the devices you're powering with it and the batteries that store extra energy so that's what your solar controller does Um, and then you set that up you i bought some batteries Um, usually you want to go with you know like forklift batteries six volt batteries rather than the 12 volt Um, if you think about how a car battery works it's it's meant to put out a little bit of energy actually is kind of a lot to turn over that engine at the very beginning. And it uses a little bit of that battery power and then it charges up as you drive. Um, But in a solar system, it's a completely different use of energy. You want to be able to charge that battery up and then use it all the way down and then charge it up again. And so you want to get a battery that's made for that type of performance. And the deep cycle batteries are made for that kind of performance. Um, so you want to make sure that you get the right kind of battery but you can set up a system like i say for 250 bucks and you're kind of off and running and i bolt i basically uh screwed my solar panels down to a frame and because it was basically four individual solar panels and i bolted them together so that i could move the whole thing with the sun and so when the sun comes out in the morning, I could drag it over mm-hmm. and face it to the sun and then move it throughout the day to make sure I was constantly getting, you know, the power that I needed.
0: Yeah. I, I know. It was, interesting. On. Yeah. I, I know some people who who did solar and I mean, in my profession, I hear, you know, all all the stories and all I would say is if you're financing, make sure you take a look at the financing documents and have your lawyer look at yeah. them and the, you, you you may be better off financing it through a bank or even your own credit card, believe it or not, or, or maybe home equity or whatever. But look at those terms. But I do know people who got the solar panel panels on their home. And after a short period of time, they were actually selling energy back to the local utility. And it, it was a for-profit venture. Plus, they were getting, I mean, not intentionally, uh, plus they were getting a tax credit for them. I, I don't know if that was annually or one time or, or what. Um, See, I live in a condo, so I don't have a roof. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I have a ceiling and then there's someone else above me. And, the, and then, and the, then the, then the, then the actual roof is the condo associations. It's like, I, right. I couldn't, I couldn't do it if I wanted to. Um, but, uh, which, you know, that, that's a, that's one way to simplify your life as well. But, uh, you know, not, now if you want privacy uh, or be off the grid, it, it, it doesn't right. work. There's trade-offs for everything. Um, I want to get back to your, your citizens conference, though. I mean, when you say citizen, I I mean, I assume that you're using the word citizen on purpose. So would there be a voice for the, you know, undocumented or the documented but not citizen uh, residents here? And and I'm not saying what's right or wrong. I'm just asking.
1: Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. Um, So it's interesting that you bring up that point, and I will have to give it thought. I don't believe that we need to include um, non-citizens in that at all I think that uh, there's a lot of people uh, throughout our country who have the interests of non-citizens in mind um, so I think that uh, any citizen can advocate for a non-citizen and uh, some will want to do that
0: yeah and again, I, I, that I didn't have an opinion on it necessarily I was just trying to see where you were at with it
1: yeah I know is it was a, definitely an interesting thought and um, the fact that Some people uh, will want to advocate for non-citizens and some people may want to, uh, you know, may want them all removed from the country. You know, I I think it's not gonna matter so much just based upon the the directives of the Citizens Congress that were there to kind of handle those first top three issues. And uh, again, those are Getting money out of politics, election integrity, and stronger ethics rules, and so those really don't involve non-citizens, um, and so I don't think it's going to be much of a, of a conflict there.
0: Yeah, I guess it flows the same way logically as some of the other issues that that some of those wedge issues they're not as wedgy when you when you have a more representative government there when you have a more representative, let's just say Congress, and you know that you know that. Sixty-six to seventy-five percent of things that we can compromise on uh, could probably come out of that uh, that that uh, governmental body that wasn't so be- beholden to the advocacy groups on on the on the fringes of the the duopoly. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Now I think there, there's you know there are plenty of nations out there that have sort of parliamentary governments with more than one party. And sometimes they get a bit messy, um, you know. Like, you know, Ukraine is famous for one thing now, but it used to be famous for having very vociferous parliaments where they would get into scuffles and fights. And I think uh, South Korea, uh, we, we've yeah. seen that. Israel has coalition governments, and, and that that's uh, quite messy pretty often. Um, I don't know if that's better or worse. I, you know, I I don't know. I you know, I think these things are. I do think that the, the money is a bigger problem than a messy you know, coalition governments would be anyway, um, but that's just me. Um, have you given any thought to that? Do you have, any, do you have anything to say about you know, whether we had seven parties or 17 and, and sort of the messiness of that? Or, or, is, or is it just like to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not sure exactly how we could even achieve that in the United States. I mean, we had multiple parties in this country, but they all just kind of got phased out. Um, and, and that's because of our political process, this first past the post thing where the first, you know, the person who wins the most votes takes 100% of the power and then does the governing. Uh, so part, part, parliamentary systems are a bit different where they actually will share um, the governing power based upon the the voting results. And so I think there's definitely something to be said for that, how we could convert our system, I'm not even sure how we can convert our system into something that would would work in that way. Um, And so the system that we have now If we come up with another party and it starts to rival one of the the two main parties, then it's it's either going to fade away and die more than likely, or it's going to replace one of the two main parties and it will just become the second main party and will still be a two party system. So it's something with, you know, how our political process functions that that has created this two party system. And it's going to be something that we would have to change in order to get out of it. And, um, you know, that would that would mean a change of how we count the votes or how we apportion power throughout the country based upon our elections.
0: Right. Things do tend to be a little bit cyclical. And even when you get a lot of parties, there tends to be some um, coalition building and some you know, integration and which may become mergers or or feel like mergers. I was thinking, in, as I was preparing for our conversation over the last few days or weeks, I was thinking that, you know, sure, my idea about getting money out of politics sounds great. And I'm not saying it would be easy to do. It would be very hard to do. It would have to be you know, carefully crafted legislation. Uh, yes. You know, uh, and first of all, the existing legislatures would uh, legislators would have to vote for it. The existing president would have to sign it, um, but it would have to survive strict scrutiny and, and all of that stuff. But assuming you could get past that, there's still another problem, and that is that states run elections internally. That's in the Constitution. I know sometimes people don't like it, but states do run their state elections, even for federal elections maybe especially for federal elections, but there's also, because that, there's gerrymandering, which is, you know, the controlling party, drawing party lines. And while there is some guardrails on that with regards to the Voting Rights Act and items of that nature, I'm still not sure, even if you took all the money out because of the gerrymandering, that you'd ever get past the R&D safe districts. Um, Would there have to be something where gerrymandering was gone and maybe AI or something redrew fair districts? I mean, would that have to be part and parcel of the citizens convention conference?
1: Yeah, well, there would definitely be a big improvement to what we have. And I would love to see some type of computer program that tries to just draw the most fair district, you know, fair districts as possible and have that throughout the country. That would certainly be a big improvement, and it would make things much, much better in all of how our government functions. And one of the things I want to bring up is that we really can't have honest debates about most things in in politics because the politicians are so bought off by certain special interests. Um, so once we get that money out, it's really going to allow us to have more honest conversations, and that's going to allow us. To get to the truth that is so elusive right now, um, if you take away all the incentives for for people to tell lies about what's actually true, then we can actually get to the truth, and there's going to be less contention behind everything.
0: Right. If you were to give like your top five ideas or top five suggestions on how to make this a reality. What would they be? And if it's if you don't have five, that's fine. If you have more than five, that's fine. I, I just pick five, you know, sort of out of the air.
1: Well, let's see. I think that uh, social media and the Internet are certainly going to be a big, big uh, tool for people to use. I think it's pretty much necessary to get this thing going. Somehow the founders were able to do it without even the Pony Express. Right. But um today yeah I think we really need to be able to send messages uh, people in the delegation in the in the citizens Congress can draft proposals and then send them out to their constituents via social media and then the constituents can reply back and say yes I support this or no I think you know we should do it a different way or what about this um, so everybody can kind of put their ideas in is, is really what we need. And there's a sort of an anecdote that I like to tell about um, these old fairs where they used to guess the, the weight of a huge bull that they would bring in. And some people would look at this bull and they'd say, oh my gosh, that bull is enormous. It must weigh 300 pounds. And then someone else would look at it and say, that bull is enormous. It must weigh 16,000 pounds. <laughs> and so you can have these far off guesses as to the size or the weight of this bull. But when a thousand people guess the weight, they would end up on average guessing it within a pound of its actual weight. And so we can bring in, if we get everybody involved in this thing and everybody contributing their ideas and their energy, we can, we can get to where we need to be. We're going to be on track if we do that.
0: Well, I heard you say constituents uh, for the citizens' congress. So, how would you draw the districts? As like, how do you figure out who's the constituents of of who? I mean, we have four hundred and thirty five congressional seats. Then there's DC with the non-elected and some other uh, or non-voting. Um, but they're they're this they're part of the problem and they're gerrymandered and they're in the duopoly. Then you have two senators per state, which some people think is fair, some people think is is not fair. Um, so you know, would, would would you have a whole different system? You know, if you know, would it be the same type of number? Would it be an entirely different type of number? I mean, how how would you work it out to figure out who constitutes like like who even is eligible to constitute who, who like if I was the delegate somehow for my area? Who am I representing? Is it is it my the same congressional district or is it, you know, just a 10-mile square radius of where I am? Like like what, what's your thought process? Yeah,
1: I definitely thought about that a bit and, um, you know, having a certain number of delegates per state or <coughs> per congressional district would certainly be one way to do it or by geographic area. Um, and I think it really doesn't matter, and especially when we're – when we're trying to work toward nonpartisan goals it really doesn't matter i mean if there's somebody in alabama you know they're going to agree on how to get money out of politics they're going to agree with somebody from that lives in berkeley california so when we talk about those issues there's not i don't there's not going to be a lot of conflict um, as far as how we get these things done. I think when we talk about election integrity, there's going to be a little bit more conflict. Um, people on the right want uh, voter ID more, whereas people on the left, you know, want more openness and and everybody being allowed to vote. And so there's certainly going to be a little bit more conflict there. Um, but I think we can, we can get to the hard facts about things um, within the body. And again, if it's if we have people in there that are truly wanting to bring about positive change and not just to promote partisan ideals, uh, we're going to be able to to sort out those issues. And I don't think that. um, You know, I mean, I think that if if I were to be on that delegation, I think I would be able to represent anybody in the country uh, because, again, the, the issues that we're tackling are nonpartisan issues.
0: Well, you'd have to be because this is your idea. And and I mean, you know, the world does need leaders. I mean, you know, we can say we're all egalitarian and everybody is the same. And to an extent, that's true. but we we need leaders we we always had there's always been a chief a shaman a, you know a, a a queen president king whatever you know there there's there's always been a, a council of elders whatever it is but there's always been some uh, group of leaders and so uh you know you you you'll, you know you might be the one who has to figure it out with you know your 12 apostles or your your uh, knights of the round table or whatever and figure out the rules and then to to prove the ethics of it you may have to bow out and say i am now disqualified from being on you know i you know i don't i don't want to you know put words in your mouth or ideas in your head i'm just right now i'm spitballing off the top of my head in a conversation but uh yeah good yeah but you know somebody's gonna have to get a proposal started and then they might have to take themselves out of the equation and see you know you know their their baby you know turn into a uh you know, a Cthulhu-like chimera, <laughs> and they have to sit back on the side and and just go, you know, that that's the will of the people, right? <laughs> uh, can you do that?
1: I think I could. Okay. I think I could. I would. I mean, I'd certainly hate to see the whole thing just kind of fail. Um, you know, to get corrupt in some way and not actually serve its intended purpose. But um, as long as you know the. The citizens of this country get behind something and, and make it work, I'm, I would be very happy with that. Um, you know, there's a sort of a debate, there's not much of a debate actually, uh, about whether our country is a democracy or a republic. And in my thinking, we're both. <laughs> we're a democracy that has chosen a republic, a constitutional republic to be our form of government. But at our base layer, our country is a democracy, that we the people can come together, we can choose the direction of our country, and we don't have to run that through our our elected representatives to get their approval on it, that as a democracy, and this is stated very plainly in the Declaration of Independence, we have the ability to, you know, overthrow our government and reform it and change it how, how we choose to if it's no longer serving our purposes. This and so- I think that most people in this country would feel that our government is not serving us well and that there needs to be some pretty drastic uh, changes made.
0: Uh, it's true that the Declaration of Independence does say that, but it's also true that the Declaration of Independence is not part of the Constitution. It's actually just a mission statement. So it's it, you know it's one of those things where, yeah, we, we meant it, but you know it's like when you, you have an agreement with someone and then you write the contract in the contract, that agreement's not in there, say, yeah, we talked about there, but Hey, the contract says everything we agreed upon must be in writing, and both of us need to sign it. Cool. So, you know, so so take take your Declaration of Independence and shove it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously, you can probably well, tell them a lawyer. The
1: amendment too that that gives us the you know gives us the right to do anything that we choose to do.
0: Yeah, there's some amendments that, that are are seldom invoked and 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 probably even more poorly understood. And there are some right. amendments that were very important, but you know, because of I mean, the 10th Amendment is known as the State's Rights Amendment, which was very important, but it gets a bad rap because it's most closely tied to slavery. So, of course, it has a bad rap. Um, but it also is the, is the the basis for federalism. Now, I, I'm of a mixed mind as to whether or not we as citizens actually want federalism. It seems to me as days go by that more and more people don't want federalism. We we sort of want a king. Um you know, and then if you look at the, you know, I'm going to paint with really broad strokes here, but if you look at the progressive wing and, uh, you know, the liberal Democrat Party, they sort of want federal standards and controls over everything, which is not federalism. But if you look at the, you know, the the right wing, you know, they they, so, they seem to support strong men leaders who are closer to kings than we've ever had before, which is a very strange conundrum because those people tend to hate each other more than any other two groups but in some ways they maybe in the most important way they fundamentally agree on on something that is a constitutional um which is just a weird thing to think about all the time and i think and you know some people call it the omega or the horseshoe or you know whatever you want to call it but uh, i'm not even sure where i was going to go with this initial thought but i I don't know how you get the, you know how the the agreement seems like it, it's easier to get messages out and communication is much easier now, but, but in seventeen seventy six to seventeen you know eighty one, you know there there's something very efficient that it was only the rich white guys you know they pretty much all knew each other they pretty much all knew each other's families probably for seven generations going back half of them were 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 lords at some point and and given charters and you know and then they were others were vassals of other lords so and they pretty much agreed on that they wanted to be rich and have land Pennsylvania was run by Quakers, so they pretty much wanted Quakerism. You know, Massachusetts was run by, run by Puritans. Massachusetts was all of New England. So, you know, they, they pretty much wanted things that way. So while things were complex then, especially going to war with Britain at the time, um, they did have a lot of the same interests. We're 330 million people now and ethnically, religiously so heterogeneous, which is a strength um but it also would make it difficult to do this now the fact that it's difficult doesn't mean you don't do it It, it, in some ways it makes it hard things are usually the things that are worth doing the most Uh, i'm just not sure how to start but that's good i don't need to because you're here you're the guest so so how 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 do you make it start or how if people want to help you make it start you know how do they build their network? How do they reach you? Are you willing to be the, the, a point person on this?
1: Absolutely. Um, I do have a website. It's russandwatson.com. Watson is my big pit bull mix dog. <laughs> He's my protector.
0: <laughs> good, um, good.
1: And so that, that website kind of t- tells all about our story um, of going up to the, the wilderness in Northern California and trying to live off the grid and running into hostile neighbors. But um, they can email me through there. And I do have a page on that website about my political activism and different podcast appearances that I've made. So uh, anybody who wants to learn more or get in touch with me can certainly do that through the website, russandwatson.com.
0: Excellent. Is there any place else they can follow you? Is there any other way they can support you? Uh,
1: I do have a blog. Um, that I don't update very often anymore. It's uh, reclaiming our birthright at blogspot.com. Okay. Um, so again, reclaiming our birthright at blogspot.com. And the reason for that title is the fact that us having a country of our own, you know, of by and for the people, that is our birthright. And it's something that we really don't have right now. We have a, a country that's run by politicians and with oligarchs pulling the strings for their own interests. And so we really need to get back to what was intended for us, that we have our own country.
0: Last question before I let you go, and this might be an easy one. It might be an easy yes or no uh, question. But if there was another country that existed now or in recent memory that had a government that was closer to what you envision, who is it and and what are sort of the hallmarks of their system of government that uh, you admire?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that anything has really quite existed um, that would that would make me happy, <laughs> as far as I know. But I'm certainly no expert on
0: on governments. You know that may no longer be in existence. That's um, fine. If, if it's yeah, no, it's no. One of the things that just kind of
1: irks me is when people say you know people or people kind of say things like well, you know, you can't get rid of corruption. There's always going to be corruption. It's like, why? Why do we have to accept that? You know, we don't accept anything anymore. You know, we don't accept that that we can't be 3,000 feet in the air while we're making a call on our cell phone. You know, we don't accept that you have to be standing on the ground facing a person to speak to them anymore. So we shouldn't accept that we have to have corruption or that there has to be, you know, waste, fraud, and abuse in government. I I want every citizen to reject that notion. And if you hear it, to to call it out and say, no, that's not true. There's nothing that says we have to have corruption. And with the right thinking and the right techniques and the right plan, we can pull it all together and we can actually have a situation that's going to work for all of us and that we're all going to be happy about.
0: Well, it did say we the people in in order to form a more perfect union. Not a perfect yeah. union, a more perfect union. So perfect perfect should never be the obstacle for better. Um and there's plenty of room for better. So very interesting conversation. Uh I hope the people reach out to you and, and follow your stuff. And uh if it grows, right. uh, give me a give me a holler and uh uh, I'd be happy to have you on the show again and we can see how the progress is going. And who knows, maybe if it gets big enough, uh, maybe even my uh, loud mouth self will get involved, get off my couch.
1: <laughs> all right. Sounds good, Joe. All
0: right. Thank you. This is Russ Farnsworth and check out his stuff. He, he gave you all the information on his in- information and thank you all for listening to Garden Views. As always, I would ask you to rate us, review us, give us five stars and a written review, if you please. And uh, more important than any of that, refer uh, the show to any of your friends that might be interested, because nothing's more important than that. All right, thanks a lot for listening to Garden Views, and you'll hear from hey, us again next week.
2: do you know about the USA? Do you know about the government? Can you tell me about the Constitution? Hey, learn about the USA. 1787, I'm told our founding fathers did agree To write a list of principles for keeping people free The USA was just starting out a whole brand new country And so our people spelled it out the things that we should be and they put those principles down on paper and called it the Constitution. And it's been helping us run our country ever since then. The first part of the Constitution is called the Preamble and tells what those founding fathers set out to do. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. Provide for the common defense, general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain of principles that's known the world around the usa was just starting out a whole brand new country and so our people spelled it out they wanted a land of liberty and the preamble goes like this we the people in order to form a more perfect union establish justice ensure domestic tranquility provide for the common defense promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity do ordain